Hello, happy Sunday and happy Mother's Day, Calvary Carlsbad and all our online family. We are happy that you've joined us. This is a great day uh, to not only hear from the Lord and to uh, be encouraged and to honor and bring praise to him, but also to encourage and bless the mothers. Uh, we all came from a mother and um, there is so much blessing in having a good mom. And so many of you are mothers and uh, hoping you'll be encouraged today. The title of our message this morning is called A Mother's Legacy. And we'll be uh, in different sections, but we'll be mostly in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Let's pray and let's get started. Lord, we thank you so much for this time this morning that we can come and hear from you, Lord, from your word. And, and God, we would just ask that you'd speak to us uh, in regards to uh, mothers and the legacy that we leave behind, God, that we pray that there be ultimately, uh, first and foremost, that we would be honoring to you, glorifying you, um, God, that you would speak to us and that you would have your way with us. But God, we also pray that we would take this time to honor those mothers and to encourage and bless. And uh, God, that we think about the legacies that we leave behind. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, Mother's Day. In case you wondered, it's not made up by Hallmark. Uh, no, actually, it was came about by uh, Anna Jarvis. I'm reading from my notes here, but... Uh, and she held a memorial for her mom actually at a church in West Virginia. And uh, she just wanted to honor her mom. And that was kind of where it started. And she brought it up before Congress and they said no. And then uh, President Woodrow Wilson in 1914 said that the second May of, uh, second Sunday of May would be Mother's Day. So it actually has its origins and roots originally celebrated in a church. So that's kind of cool. Uh, Tori and I have been listening to Charles Swindoll. Actually, he's uh, on K-Wave, but uh, if you could get his podcast too, I think it's called Insight for Living. And he has had an incredible series on parenting. And one of the things he, he gets to over and over again is he talks about delighting in your children. And uh, they are a blessing from the Lord. Psalm 127 verses three through five says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has a quiver, his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Children are a blessing. This, however, does not mean that they are easy to raise. <laughs> um, you weren't easy to raise. I wasn't easy to raise. And you know that often our children are not easy to raise. But it is a worthy investment uh, after, it's funny, uh, normally we record these on Friday uh, just to get ahead so we have time to edit and, and all this and that. and. Um, this week, Tori came down with a stomach flu, like she hasn't had it in so long. And she was wiped out all day. So like I had to sleep all day long. And so uh, it's now Saturday, Sunday for you. But uh, 
I was stressing out because I, I usually do this on Friday so we can get it all edited and up and Jed does all that for us. Um, but I played mom and dad yesterday while trying to do get the message together and all this and that. And I have a whole new appreciation for mothers and my wife and for everything that she goes through every single day. Obviously I'm involved and I, I'm part of that, but I am so thankful for everything that she does. All that to say, it is not easy, but as we look back and even as we're in, the, there's no way we trade the seasons that we're in. And I'm sure any mother would say that. There's no way they would trade the, the hard parts of raising their kids for the blessings. Uh, but there's more to it than it just being a blessing to you. Uh, it's a legacy that we leave behind. We actually get a little bit of a glimpse of the legacy of mothers and, and the, the way that's been paved through uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, actually. Paul is speaking to Timothy. Timothy's like his son in the faith. He loves him very much. And he says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. He loves him. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. This is what a legacy looks like, a genuine faith from generation to generation that those around you can see. This is something that paved the way for Timothy to be the man he was supposed to be. They, his mom and his grandma had set the stage. And a mother's, uh, mothers, you are so important in your child's spiritual walk. So that's kind of what we're gonna be talking about today. Um, we're gonna be looking at Hannah, the life of Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter one. Uh, Hannah ends up having Samuel, uh, the priest. Samuel was used mightily before the Lord. We'll get into that in a minute. But it wasn't, her life was not without struggle. And there is no life that is without struggle. That's one of the first things we need to recognize. Everyone has something going on. But we'll see what Hannah did with that struggle. And these are a lot of the legacy tips we can pick up. We'll pick up some along the way for mothers as we choose to honor God and to raise our kids seeking him and seeking to leave a legacy behind that will honor him and will raise our kids right so they can see it right. So here we go. First Samuel chapter one, verse one. Now there was a certain man named Ramathiam Zophim on the mountains uh, of Ephraim. And his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephra uh, Ephraimite. Ephraimite, yeah. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Uh, it's interesting, as you look through the Old Testament, you're like confronted with polygamy because it's all over the place, right? And we see it throughout. Uh, it was well-known practice at the time, but it's not right. It was never God's plan. Polygamy was not God's plan. Uh, and there's actually, it's a bit of a sin of uh, ignorance, I guess, where kind of like 
nobody's calling on it because they don't really know. But the evidence that it was not good is all over the place. It's jealousies and, and all kinds of weirdness between these dueling wives and their kids and uh, favorites being played all over the place. Uh, so all that to say, it's not a good thing. Uh, but this guy Elkanah, he has two wives. Uh, Penina has children, Hannah has no children. Verse three, this man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also the sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. Hannah was greatly loved by her husband. Uh, but in this time, uh, a lot of a woman's worth was built in this culture on uh, if you can have kids or not. And so she was struggling with this. And uh, if you've struggled with infertility or you know someone that struggled with infertility, it, uh, it is a real battle. It is not something to, uh, to take lightly. And we know Hannah, she really wants a kid. And to make it worse, verse six, and her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Uh, what's interesting here is obviously we see Panina's mocking her. Uh, there's a good chance that it's kind of like a Rachel Leah situation where, because uh, it says he really loved Hannah, uh, but Hannah can't have kids. So Panina's got this one thing where she can kind of get her on and make her feel bad about and um but what's really interesting is it says that the lord closed her womb and uh this brings up the obvious question like why couldn't she have a kid well i think it's because god had a different purpose for her and what we're going to find out it is actually to have a kid but there's something about this season of her not being allowed to, her having a closed womb, that's important. And we're going to see it's actually extremely important. Uh, this made her draw near to God. It made her surrender to God. It actually made her uh, align her heart with where it's not just kind of the classic you have your kids and everything's good and everything's perfect. She's like, if I have a kid, I will dedicate him back to you, Lord. I just want to have a son, right? I just want to have a kid. And she's, and we're going to see she's willing to do that. And the fruit of that was huge because Samuel was, you know, became this prophet and he uh, was, uh, oversaw Saul becoming king. And then he oversaw David becoming king. And he was extremely used by God. But there's something about infertility that sometimes we're called not to have babies or some women are called not to have them and, and perhaps God has closed their womb. There could be many reasons for that. I think a lot of times I've heard so, so many stories and it's so many friends where they're like, we can't have a kid. Like we try 
and try and try and and we've tried everything and you know the timing and all this and that and and um, eating right and everything we can think to possibly do but we can't seem to have kids yet these teenagers get pregnant and then they want to have an abortion like how in the world uh, why do they have kids and we don't I don't understand that and uh, a lot of times I've seen even in those friends that they were eventually able to have kids and Maybe it was God wanted to show them it was a season of, of prayer and appreciation, being grateful for what uh, God wants to do. And we've seen that over and over again. Even when doctors say, there's no way you can have kids. I mean, story after story, the kids are coming. And so uh, there's that side of it. And I think that's actually part of what we'll see here um, with Hannah. There's also another side where God wants to open our eyes that maybe there's something else he has for us. Uh, the foster care system is full of kids and adoption is something maybe we wouldn't naturally think about unless infertility was there. I know easy for me to say we have kids, we have three kids and I'm not belittling the issue, but perhaps this is something that God is doing and preparing you for. And another thing, lots of friends who have noticed, hey, look, we can't have kids, but you know what? Um, we can have kids. <laughs> And it might not be through, you know, my wife, through her body, but it will be our kids and we can still have that legacy. Others, and, and actually that's, that's a huge, huge calling and a beautiful calling. And then there's others who are called uh, to something that kids would get in the way of, a calling uh, that's maybe specific for you. I don't know, I don't take this lightly, but I do believe that there are some real uh, reasons because it says that the Lord closed her womb. And so there's an element of God is in charge and we don't wanna be doing something God doesn't want us to do and we wanna be doing in line with what he does want us to do. So uh, we are called in this life to serve him, to honor him, to be a blessing to those around us. And so who knows what that looks like. We'll see with Hannah uh, that God had a purpose for her and, uh, and she left quite the legacy because of the struggle of her being able to have kids. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than 10 sons? And we get a glimpse of Elkanah thinking he's actually pretty cool, obviously. Verse nine. So Hannah arose after they'd finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the, of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will look, indeed look on, our affliction, on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. Right here we see uh, the first legacy that is left by Hannah. And, and Hannah is, is going before the Lord, and she is in a place of absolute surrender before him. She's surrendering to him. She's making a request known, but she's surrendering to him. And she said, even if I can have this kid, and also she's very specific in her prayer. She's asking for a male child. And then she makes a very big promise of full surrender. 
If I can have this kid, I will surrender him to you. A razor won't touch his head. This is part of the Nazarite vow. He will be unto you this, this uh, a servant. And um, so she is led to a real, I think, honestly, a real understanding about our kids that we have to surrender them. They don't belong to us. Uh, one of the, you will be so stressed out if you think that, that, that you are the one that is responsible for everything working in your kid's life because that just doesn't work like that. And we all live in a world where there's struggles and things don't go like you want them to. Maybe there's a health thing or, or some weird rash and you don't know what to do with it. Or uh, as they get older, they start to stray or rebel. There's a lot to that. We can avoid a lot of trouble by recognizing that these kids aren't ours and we surrender them back to the Lord. They, we are to be stewards of them, but they belong to him. And he wants to make them to be in his image, not our image, right? Our kids, they come out and, you know, they kind of look like us. They kind of act like us. They kind of pick up on what we do. But the most important thing that we can instill in them is to be like their heavenly fathers, to follow him. And that is us surrendering again to him. Lord, this child belongs to you. And I want you to just... They're in your hands. And so Hannah makes a very gnarly uh, vow here. Uh, and so we know Samuel, he'd go on to be priest and he'd go on to, that she would keep this promise. But the first part of legacy is surrendering, surrendering our children to the Lord or surrendering to the Lord. They will notice that, right? If we are holding on to things we shouldn't, they will do the same. As we surrender them to the Lord, it shows that we really do trust the Lord and that they can trust him too. And we can even like let them know like, God is holding the one holding your life, not just me. Obviously, we got to feed them. Obviously, we got to take care of them and help them wherever we can, uh, medically and physically and spirit. But the main thing is to let them know that we are insufficient in and of ourselves. It is God who holds us and sustains us. So there's the first legacy. Verse 12. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, uh, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. <laughs> Interesting. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a, a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. The next legacy that Hannah is, is uh, leaving behind or instilling or showing is the legacy of being in relentless prayer. She's struggling and she's constantly going to the Lord with it. She doesn't know what to do with it. And, and she's in a place of real anguish and disheveled. You know, you can see she's not in a normal, uh, she doesn't seem okay. She's struggling big time to the point where, you know, Eli's like, yeah, you are drunk. What is going on? But no, she is forced to her knees. And so the legacy of being in relentless prayer if you're a mother, you will be forced to your knees for your children. There is no way around that. God is going to 
bring you to the place where you are on your knees and, and asking God to touch your children on your behalf. <laughs> That's just part of parenting. And this is not a bad thing. This is a good thing. This is a legacy because it shows that we trust God, we believe him, and our kids can see that. One of the things I think is really cool uh, is when people keep a journal of all the things they've prayed for over their kids. And it could be struggles, illness, whatever, or just blessings, right? That you can look back on. It's an incredible thing to look back on and see first God's faithfulness, second for your kids to look back and see all the things you are praying for them. That is a cool thing to leave back journals and, and have them behind you. Can, you can go back and reference it. And, and honestly, you'll see God has been so faithful, but he calls a mother and a father too, but it's Mother's Day, <laughs> to a place of constant prayer, going to him, being in relentless, uh, just, you know, driving, fervent prayer. So, he is the solution, right? That's, that's part of it. We gotta recognize he is the solution. And so that's who we go to. John 15 verses four and five says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. When we go to God with prayer, with all of our issues and struggles, it's us going to him and saying, God, you've got to do it. I'm trusting in you. And then he makes the fruit come as we're abiding and trusting in him. What a legacy to leave behind for your kids. Verse 17, then Eli answered and said, go in peace and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And he said, uh, and she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. And we find another legacy here, the legacy of fully believing God. This is her believing what has been said. She's trusting him. You could be trusting or believing, whatever. She's, gonna, she's trusting. Now all of a sudden, the stress is gone. God has spoken and she is believing him. Speaking through you know, his prophet, his priest. Here you go, there you go. That's it. This is the priests, right? Um, like Samuel will be. Verse 19. Then they arose early. Let me, wait, let me just touch on that real quick. That's important, right? For your kids to actually see that you believe the promises of God when he says something. Because it shows whether you really believe God or not, and if they should, right? And so we wanna be those who are constantly believing God because where there is faith is where we see God move. And there's certain things he only want, can show to people who have faith. We don't wanna be the faithless generation that doesn't see the things that God is doing because God is gonna ask us to go really weird places sometimes that are not practical, and uh, he's gonna take us through seasons that we do not understand. If we can continue to trust in him though, it's gonna be so, so, so worth it. So, fully believing God. Then they arose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So good, he remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. 
Um, this is so cool, and this is another legacy. And I think this is something that we sometimes forget because we, you know, finally we get what we had been asking for, but this is the legacy of celebrating his faithfulness. We want to celebrate his faithfulness openly. We want our prayer, our praise reports and the answered prayers to be broadcast throughout our homes and throughout our lives so that everyone knows what God's done. This instills faith in your children. Just like Timothy's mom and grandma, he saw this legacy. We want to do the same. We want to see mothers do the same. Your children are listening. Your children are watching. Let them be a part of what God is doing in your life. There we go. Celebrating his faithfulness. Verse 21. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned. Then I will take him that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. Wow. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only uh, let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now, when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bulls, one ephah of flour and a skin of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the Lord, child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli and she said, oh, my Lord, as, long, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord there. This one, I, I, I'm struggling with hearing this one. because It's just, she finally gets her kid and you go, well, no, you, you lost him. No, she doesn't see it like that at all. She sees this child as a miracle from God for a good purpose that God made clear that he wants this and put this on her heart. Now, when God puts something on your heart, we, are, we need to be faithful to obey that thing. So this, this legacy is the legacy of following in obedience. As we follow in obedience, as mothers follow in obedience and make it clear when God speaks, they listen, they go, you, you follow. What's the fruit? Your children learn that that's the way to go. This, uh, the idea of do as I say and not as I do is so toxic and I think about it all the time because there's little hypocritical things and our kids are just so smart. I'm not saying just my kids, although I do believe that. But kids in general are so smart and they're so good at picking out hypocrisy. And they're so good at seeing when you say something but you don't mean it. This is obedience, right? She is obeying what God had put on her heart and she's following through. There's so much to follow through. Uh, seeing something or even believing something, uh, knowing something, that's all great. But without obedience, it doesn't mean anything. So we want to be those who are in obedience. 
What's interesting is, uh, as, as we see, he, she lends him to the Lord. We see actually in chapter two, she goes back to visit Samuel, right? And again, Samuel is a special, special man. God has a plan for. And her obedience led to the anointing of David, led to um, this amazing man of God that's been brought before. This is, this is what happens when we obey God. Good things happen. There's also another blessing we're going to see here. 1 Samuel chapter 2, we're going to look at 18 through 21. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child, wearing a linen ephod. ephod, ephod. Um, moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year. Isn't that sweet? When she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice, and Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, the Lord give you descendants from the woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. Then they would go to their own home and the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. This woman who couldn't have any kids now has she has six kids. She bore more kids. She conceived and bore three sons and two daughters, right? Well, unless Samuel's one of them, I don't know. Five or six kids. God blessed her and he used the life of Samuel. There's nothing greater for a parent than seeing their kids love the Lord and be used by him. There's no greater thing we could imagine. And, and she did that with Samuel. She set him up. And, and it's not like she was cold hearted. She'd be like, okay, got my kid. All right, fine. He's gone. Now I don't want to think about him anymore. Year by year, she'd come back and visit him and bring the robe. And I'm sure it was this beautiful like reunion, but she knew this child belonged to God. And so I recognize even that there's probably some who are struggling right now. I mean, maybe you've lost a child. Maybe you've lost a parent. And, um, and that's hard. And we don't know sometimes why God does the things he does, but it does help to recognize that they belong to him. He's the one that, that is in charge and, and he's the one that has his reasons and, and why he does the things he does. And so maybe you're struggling with that. Hannah, she, she knew this child belonged to the Lord. And as she followed in obedience, there was like an extra blessing that her womb was opened. We've prayed for many friends who could not have a baby and now they have three or four or five. It's crazy. God opened her womb and he saw her and he honored her. And that's the last legacy today is the legacy of seeing God's blessings. As we continue to do all these things and trust him, we will leave a legacy of seeing God's blessings. What better thing could your kids see than God's blessings on your life? And then you recognize in them as that, not something you did on your own, but legacy of he did it. It was him that did it. This is what we want to leave with our kids. We only have so much time. They grow so fast. I mean, there's whoever's listening to this, you could have uh, you know, kids who are grandparents themselves. Or you could have little babies and, and it goes fast. They grow fast. And, and the legacy that we leave behind absolutely matters. So let's look at them again. 
the legacy of surrendering to the Lord or being surrendered to the Lord. That's absolutely essential that we surrender to him and we leave that legacy behind so our kids see that we are going to surrender to what he says. The, the legacy of being relentless in prayer, that we go to him and we trust him and he's the one that does the work in us. He's the one that moves on our behalf and we don't stop until he either says stop or he's, he's answered our prayers. That's so good, right? But he's the one we go to. No one else. It's the legacy of fully believing God that your kids would be able to see that you actually really do trust him. And, and that's, uh, I guess that would be through prayer and fully believing. Journal it out. Write blessings and prayer requests over your kids. Things you want to see God do as you're praying. Write it down. If you go, do that and you look back, you will be blessed for years from now. Start today if you're not doing it. Well, it's not like we necessarily do it, but I haven't even thinking about this. I want to do this. Um, I've done it before in just prayer journals, and it's really cool. Um, fully believing God. Uh, the legacy of celebrating his faithfulness. Letting it be known when he's followed through with what he said he'll follow through with. Uh, the legacy of following in obedience. When God says something, we do it. And then seeing his blessing, that legacy of as we continue on with all the rest of these, we're going to see that this is life. This is the fruit that is produced in our life. God is faithful and he is good. So um, God bless you mothers today. God bless you for what you're doing. It matters, okay? And those who maybe you don't have actual you know, your children, you can still be an influence and make an impact on children, on people, on discipling those around you, loving on those around you. We all have a calling from God. It's aligning ourselves with that calling. And if you feel like, hey, this is something I still really want. I really have this desire in my heart. Don't give up praying. God can open the womb just as much as he's closed it, just like Hannah. And we'll see miracles. And, and we want God to get all the glory for those miracles and our kids to know about it, okay? So let's pray and uh, then we'll get on with the day. Lord, thank you so much for the blessing of godly mothers, the legacy of a godly mother. God, and we pray that that is what is being instilled in our houses. And those who feel like, man, I have just failed. I'm a failure at all these things. We're all a failure at something. Where there's... Everybody's got stuff to work on. And so, God, I pray that you would, even right now, reassure them that you're not super bummed with them or anything like that, but that you just want to move forward from there, from this place, to be more like you, to grow, to, to, to make these things priorities, to let these things be staples in our lives or in, your, in the, these mothers' lives. That we would all, I mean, mothers and fathers and anybody, that these would be legacy, a legacy we would all have, that we would trust you, we'd believe you, we'd seek you, and we'd surrender to you, God. And in doing so, we'll see all the blessings. So uh, just pray that blessing on the mothers today, God, with a great day with their family, that they would enjoy and delight in their children, that they'd see the blessing that is in front of them, and God, that you just go before us in all of this. Lord, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day.